with us on a journey into the unknown, the unexplained, and the unbelievable. We will test your senses and challenge your beliefs. A world where science and religion clash. Or do they? You will meet real people and hear real stories, but you will not believe. You will witness strange sights and hear strange sounds, but you will not believe. This is the New England Ghost Project. Welcome to the Nightmare. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Ghost Chronicles International, right here from Midsummer's County. I am Ron Kolick, your host, the ghost keeper, the ghost keeper to the... <laughs> Unknown, the unexplained, and the unbelievable Steve Parsons, mate, me. And with me all the way across the pond, in the land of the wind and the rain, in the red dragon, is Mr. Steve Parsons, Mr. Parascience, the gold standard in ghost hunting, according to the Wall Street Journal and other unknown sources across the world, Steve Parsons. Well, that intro went to hell in a handbasket, didn't it? Yeah, Most, didn't it? really. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that went yeah, badly. That years, sounded more like one of mine. <laughs> after 20 years of opening up the same way, you know, I've got to change it. Well, maybe with it being international, maybe we should pick a, a different language every week and do the intro in a foreign language. Uh, yeah. And, That'd be uh, novel. Speaking of that, by the way... Um, uh, we have a new promo for the Ghost Chronicles International show, which we are playing now on Ghost Chronicles Next Generation. And it's actually the voice yeah. Harry yeah. back yeah. No, it's, head. Yeah, it's not, it's, is it? It's not. I mean, it's not. <laughs> it is. It is. It's simply amazing. It's an amazing piece. I mean, I was I was shocked when it, this was sent to me enormously and now, enormous, uh, by somebody I didn't know. <laughs> And, and really, so you got to tune in on Wednesday night to, to catch this promo. Like I said, it's the voice of Harry Price coming through a ghost box, I believe. Uh, and it, it, I mean, I was shocked. I really was shocked when I heard it. That's all I can say. Say no more. <sighs> so, you see the Pope? Pardon? See the Pope? The Pope? Why is he here? Is he in Wales? Oh, Have I missed something? No, the Pope released a couple of white doves for the uh, deaths in Ukraine, in peace in Ukraine. Uh, no, and I it, didn't. It was immediately attacked by a seagull. <laughs> True story. True story. I don't doubt the. I don't doubt the the truth of the story. It just <laughs> video at six o'clock. We haven't seen it. Well, I haven't seen it yet over here. But I, I saw a really cool one today. It was uh, somebody else posted a link onto Facebook, which uh, I re reshared. Um, you know where they bring these big ferry boats into uh, – it's got nothing to do with the paranormal. But they bring these big ferry boats in to break them up on the beach at the end of uh, their service life. There's this cool one of um, them they do? Uh, basically ramming the beach at full speed in a cross-channel ferry. Huh. You've got to see it. It's on my Facebook page. Why do they ram them to the beach? Well, obviously, they break them up on the beach, and it's easier to charge the boat onto the beach rather than pull it up with winches. So they they steam this thing at full speed. Very, very impressive. In so fact, I, living so, you know, living near a ferry port, it's it's just like how the Irish ferry docks every day. So, <laughs> so I guess there's a lesson to learn: is when we die, we should 
ram ourselves into a uh, funeral home? Uh, well, there's a few people ram themselves into uh, into the afterlife, don't they? Well, anyway. So we actually have a guest today. So uh, she is uh, a young lady, and uh, she is joining us now, and she has lived the paranormal life, and I will call her Madam X. Oh, that's mysterious. Isn't that sexy? Madam X. Madam X, are you there? I am I am here, Ron. <laughs> Is that all right? Can you hear me all right? Or would you want you want another name? <laughs> what about the French? Well, I go what by the... Madame, Madame, Madame X. Oh, that's very interesting. <laughs> knock knock. Knock knock. Uh, anywho, um, knock, knock, knock knock. Who's there? Who's there? Madame. Can you Madame. hear me? Yep. Can you hear me? Madame. Okay. Madame. Bear with him. He's, bear with him. He's doing a joke. Madame. Oh, yeah, uh, yes. <laughs> no, you're supposed to say Madame who? Oh, Madame who? I'm sorry. Madame foot's Madame caught who? in the Madame's foot's caught in the door. Oh, I prefer the, I prefer the <laughs> knock, knock. Ron? Ron? That was good when knock, I heard knock. it. Knock, knock. What? Who's there? Doctor. 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 There you go. Got it in one. All right. Can we get it back to the show? You started it. I, I know. I know. <laughs> so, uh, Spooky Pazuza. Pazuza. P- p- uh, right. So, right. So, <laughs> My real name is Kirsten. <laughs> I like that. That's much better. Kirsten? Okay. Kirsten. Okay. Yeah, but it's, a weird yes. sur- it's a weird surname, though, isn't it? X. Kirsten X. Kirsten X. Yeah. It sounds a little, you know, actually, well, well, no, because there's a historical precedent. Um, We talked a couple of weeks ago with a guest about Bee House, a paranormal case in Scotland investigated in the 1890s by the Society for Psychical Research. And the lead investigator, Ada Goodridge Freer, actually penned the book as Miss X. So, good company. You got a book written about you. How do you like that? All right. <laughs> First time for everything. Kirsten. What do you know? I think I think Kirsten sounds Kirsten. a lot nicer than Ada as well, actually. So, anyways, Kirsten. <laughs> yes. Uh, you know, uh, today, uh, yesterday, actually, I, I put out a, a post on my Facebook page, which is Ronald Kolick. Uh, anybody, I take anybody, so you're welcome to join me as long as you're fine. I'm fine. Anyways, um, I put it out that anybody who would like to share uh, their paranormal experiences or information about their group uh, to message me. And this brave young lady um, was brave enough to do that. And so I, I guess the first question we would ask you is, is why do you want to share your, your experiences? Well, um, because I, I think I was afraid of them for a long time. And growing up... Um, I'm, you know, in, in the middle part of my life, and in my era that all this stuff started to begin, people didn't talk about that. I live uh, just north of you. For those who don't know, I'm in northeast New England uh, in the United States, and I live in a place that people just don't talk about these things unless it's a private conversation, you know, in someone's living room. They don't seem to, to, to talk too much about it. So I felt like a bit of an outcast and 
things were happening to me and my friends' reactions were, you know, they would tease me not in a bad way, um, you know, but they'd be, you know, my nickname in high school was Spooky. Um, oh, that's cool. So I, I was a little uncomfortable about it because I was the only, of all my friends, I was the only one that these odd things were happening to. So um, one thing happened several years ago now um, that just pushed me right over the edge, right oh, almost over the edge to think, I, I'm not sane. I really questioned my sanity. And I started, I hit the web to, to get help, you know, just am I losing my mind? And um, oddly enough, that's how I ran into Mark English watching his films, <laughs> even, you know, just just somebody out there. And I wound up going to England, um, you know, just for some fun. And I was going to visit family in Norway. And, um, and Mark picked me up, brought me to Hampton Court. I was exhausted. But he introduced me to a gentleman named Alan Barnett. And as we were touring Hampton Court, I would feel things. It, would, it just hits you like a wall of butter. You know, you're just walking along and all of a sudden, poof, you know. And for the first time in my life, there was somebody else that was, you know, at the exact same moment that would say, well, Alan's expression was, whoa, that's heady. <laughs> and, and for me, it was just, like I said, hitting a, a, a wall of butter. And I would grab Alan like, you know, are you feeling that? Please tell me. <laughs> and and at the same time, he would say something. And for me, oh, my world, that just opened my whole world um, to get that confirmation that I'm I'm not imagining things are happening. This is actually happening, and somebody else at the same time is feeling it. I can't begin to tell you what a relief it was. <laughs> so, yeah, you know what, so that's you know, why I do it. <laughs> Kristen, I, I, I actually find that quite amazing. Uh, not so amazing that you had those experience, but amazing that Mark English could actually do some good. <laughs> well, it was more Alan who was helping me, but Mark was the person kind enough to pick me up at the airport and uh, and tootle my carcass around for a bit. Oh, it was he was very kind, very kind, so, and very funny. I enjoyed him. So you, you, you're, actually, company, you're actually you're actually a bridge. <laughs> you're actually. I wasn't going to say that. You're the bridge between Steve and myself. You, you, you're from the, the New England area, and, and you've gone to the uh-huh. UK, and you've gone to places that, that Steve knows well, and, and, know, and people that Steve knows well. So I, I find you, you are the bridge. Or the survivor. Kind of. <laughs> kind of, I... Yeah, I was I was lucky enough uh, to um, have been introduced to Kieran O'Keefe and um, visited with him for a bit. And then when he came to the States and went to your uh, shindig at the Colonial, that's when um, I got to see him again locally, which was which was great. I loved it. Oh wow, that's cool. Uh, yeah. So I mean. That, so that was really your awakening, I guess you would say, that, that you realized you weren't crazy. And these, yes. these feelings and, and events that have happened were real. So, I mean, yeah. how do you feel now that, that you've had that? You, you've had that awakening. And, and, and what does it mean to you? It, it's a comfort level. And it removes a lot of the fear so that, 
um, I could go on and do more. You know, I tried experiments with different things, with the electronic voice phenomena and, and things like that, that in the past there's no way. I didn't go looking for this stuff at all. Um, I mean, my dad's an electrical engineer. My mom was a science teacher. And although both are, are open-minded, they've been very supportive uh, for me because there's just been too many witnesses that have been there when I've, you know, had some sort of insight or something's happened and I've known, you know, all sorts of things that have happened. <laughs> Thank God there's been some witnesses. But um, they were supportive, but I don't think that they really get it. And being both having science <laughs> backgrounds, you know, they were, they're trying to understand, but it's just different. But, yeah. Um, yeah, so it, for me, it's just a comfort, and then it removed some of the fear. But the big question is always, why me? Why? You know, there's all sorts of people that could probably put more effort into it or have more courage or, you know, anything. But Did did you know. notice that the, that, I mean, I was just trying to clarify, um, were these experiences that you were having, were they from an early age? Did they start in childhood or did they develop later? You know, that's a good question. I was asking myself that last night, trying to reflect back on my childhood. And, um, I mean, I was brought up with no religion at all. My, the, you know, my, I had grandparents where one was Catholic, the other was Protestant. They had to run away to get married when they were 18. It was just this whole fiasco. So they decided not to raise any of us with any kind of religious background and let us choose for ourselves, except nothing. You know, I didn't, you know, day-to-day -day life, I didn't go to any, you know, church. Once in a blue moon, I'd go to some Sunday school or something with a friend. But, yeah, no, didn't, didn't do that. Um, so to answer your question, I think I was always a sensitive child. I think, like, if I walked in a room, you know, my, I recall being a kid and being concerned about being in certain rooms and in houses and feeling certain things. But, you know, looking back on it today, I can't say that that wasn't just some sort of fear of the dark, maybe, or fear, you know, just something else. But to me, how it felt was that there is something here. Um, but it was so long ago. It's hard to it's mm. it's hard for me to recall back on these events and and um, say with any clarity that it was actually paranormal. Is there any um, one particular? But some of the things that I, happened later in life were uh, very paranormal. What would I'm you sorry, say was the key moment when you realized that there was something different? Wrong. Um, I, it was a it was a day in the summertime. I had I uh, had moved into a new house that year, and I got up in the morning. My mom was tutoring a, a kid, so she wasn't home. And it was it was in the morning. I'd gotten up. I went downstairs. I had my breakfast. I came back up, got dressed, and I was making plans. I was sitting on the edge of my bed making plans to rearrange my room, which is something I always do. Weird little thing, but. Um, I was I was just sitting there, and I looked up at the clock, and it was like nine o'clock in the morning, and I looked up at the clock, and then, and then I had literally I just sat forward with my like my elbows on my knees, and I was I the last thing I remember is I was looking around my room, wondering if I could move a bookcase by myself, and then the next thing I knew, I was laid out like diagonally across my bed, and three hours had gone by, and it. it 
I hadn't been sleeping. I know I hadn't been sleeping because when I, when my eyes opened, it wasn't like it was, you know, it wasn't like waking up. It was, it was like, boom, you're here. And, and my first thought was, this is uncomfortable. I'm diagonally across my bed because, you know, my bed had a little, you know, sink in it where, <laughs> where I lay on. <laughs> I just, I wasn't in the same place and it freaked me out because I knew something happened. That was the moment where I knew something weird happened. After that, all Hades broke loose with, with knowing things and sensing things and seeing things. And, oh, Lord, it, it got nuts when I was in high school. Mm-hmm. So, um, so I would say that was the defining moment, was the missing the three hours of time that I couldn't, I couldn't say what happened. I'd love to get hypnotized and figure that out, let me tell you. Do you know, that sounds, re- I mean, forgive me, but that sounds remarkably like people who have abductee experiences in the missing time and displacement of the body and knowing things. I'm, you, you seem to have made a, a, a judgment call based upon your experience and you know, you you are the perfect person to make that judgment call because it was very much your experience. But you erred in in the direction of spirit rather than uh, perhaps an alien abduction uh, abduction scenario. Was there something within that experience I don't account that led that you in that anything. direction? That's not true. No. I don't account that to anything spiritual or UFO. I don't. I right. I don't know what happened. All I know is that something happened. Yeah. There was a I, marked I, I, difference. I, I, yeah, I should clarify the question, on. Billy. It was because of the similarity of that initial experience. Some people, it does sound remarkably like you know, people describing an early abductee experience. What, what then was it? The subsequent experiences that brought you towards a spiritual approach rather than perhaps an alien approach. Uh, well, this is the weird thing: is that I've had both things happen in my life. Um, I've uh, I've seen things that, like I said, I've been able to know things. I've had friends come and visit me in my home, and then they've been touched by someone, you know, and thinking it was me, you know, like in the dark with my friend. She's laying in the bed. I give her my bed because she's my guest, and I'm laying on the floor, and she thinks I'm touching her in the bed, and I there's no way I could be touching her because I'm too far away, and she never stayed over again. But um, <laughs> but uh, gosh, all sorts of things have happened, but. One thing, you know, you mentioned when I was a kid, I did see something strange once with my father and my sister. We were waiting for my mom to come home with groceries, and we saw this light outside, and we thought it was her. So we all go outside to bring in the groceries, and and no mom. But over one of the pine trees in the backyard, there was this light. And if you ever seen those animated views of... of, uh, uh, the star of Bethlehem with the with the big ray that comes down from the, you know mm-hmm. the, from the bottom and you know the yeah. star. It was like that over the pine tree, and we're all looking at it like, "What the heck is that?" No sound, no nothing, and um, so we stood there watching it for a while, and then it started moving like zigzagging across the sky. It was no airplane, that's for sure, and it it was moving too fast for a helicopter, and there was nothing. You know, all the things that you think of, what could that be? It didn't fit anything so um that happened when i was probably about nine um and i and it, my sister went in first she was like okay seen enough and she goes in and dad's like stays out there with me for a while 
But even he went in after a while, and I'm sitting, I'm outside by myself thinking, how can these people go in? This is the weirdest thing I've ever seen in my life, <laughs> you know? But I watched it, and finally it zinged off to the south, heading right for Ron's house, I'm sure. And, um, <laughs> and it was gone. Uh, so that was my first UFO experience. And then uh, I had another one when uh, about 10 years ago or so I was driving home, I don't even know what this was. Um, I was driving down the highway on Route 16, and uh, I was headed north. And just driving along, I just hung up the phone with my with my friend, and uh, there was this huge. All of a sudden, there was this big pink orb, uh, translucent, pearlescent thing, next to my passenger window, following me for literally not a, no exaggeration. It was like a good 15, 20 seconds. And I'm looking at it, and I'm driving, and I'm looking at it, and I'm driving. It's like, what the heck, you know? <laughs> and I kept doing that drive, look, drive, look, and and uh, and then the thing just shot off down the highway. It rode literally, like not even five feet away from my passenger window. I couldn't see anybody in it, you know. There didn't seem to be any passenger in it. It was just this pink orb, bigger than a baseball. I'm um, not a baseball, a uh, basketball. It was, it was, you know, it was a good sized ball more like a beach ball size and um it just dinged off down the highway headed straight for ospie and um you know i know a lot of weird stuff happens in ospie but that was a new one for me <laughs> and then i was um my third was a really big uh i still can't believe it if i wasn't standing next to a cop at the time i think i'd doubt myself completely would have been another one of those moments where it's like i'm losing it because we were in uh, New Durham, which is near the bottom of Lake Winnipesaukee, in Alton area in New Hampshire, and uh, we were just standing outside talking, and then I see these two planes, what I think are two planes, coming over a, a hill that's, you know, it's a ridge further away, and so I'm watching them, I'm thinking, geez, they're flying kind of close, I'm surprised the FAA lets them do that, and uh so I'm watching them come over, and then they started getting closer together, and I grabbed the guy, you know, the guy who was next to me. He's an ex, um, you know, he's a retired cop, and I grabbed him. And I was like, they're going to collide, you know, and uh, and they didn't. And then as it got co- closer, oh, God, I feel crazy saying this, but it was a gigantic, silent ship, and the reason the lights looked like they were getting closer was because of the way the ship was rotating, so it went from, you know, they were this distance apart, and then it, they looked like they were getting closer as this thing turned, flew, uh, like, very close to us, very close. This thing was humongous. It was football. It was huge. It was, like, bigger than a battleship. It was huge. When you and say it was flying ship, west to east. When you say it ship, ship man, I can't ship. describe it anyway. Hell if I know, man. It was just this big mechanical seemed to be metal, looked metal thing with lights on it, um, the two on either end being the larger of the two, you know, larger of them and, and seemed to be like lights that, like it had a lot of lights, but it some weren't like pushing light out, you know what I mean? It, they weren't, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, more of a, you know more of a glow? Uh, they, yeah, well, no, actually lights, but they weren't, Putting out like headlights, put out a ray versus uh, like a light in your house is yeah. I guess maybe glow is the best way to describe it. It just uh, there was no direction to the lights. Does that make sense? 
Mm-hmm. Uh, they, yeah. There were lights there, but it's like a light in your house. You see a light in your house, and, and there's no direction to it versus a headlight has a specific direction kind of thing. It's pushing a ray outward in a in, in more linear fashion, if that makes sense. There was no beam. I don't know what the heck that was, man. I, I don't know. It was huge. I've never in my life seen anything like that. I think it's so because I mean you're describing you know basically UFO encounters, but yet you also have what we consider ghost encounters as well, correct? Oh God, do I? Yeah, I mean I've been on the show once before talking about my Hat Man experience, that black Hat Man right. thing uh, that kind of was freaky, but he. I would have to say he was the clearest and most close to me and something that had some sort of intent, not, you know, like I've also seen the, the thing that looks like a, looks like a, a, a gray, looks like a, an old movie of somebody walking up a, up a hill in this little field near my mom's house. Um, this woman, I don't think she would have, wearing a cloak, you know, I, I think it was a woman. It was just someone in a cloak, seemed like a feminine figure, um, walking up <laughs> walking up the hill. And, uh, you know, she looked like a black and white thing on a, on a colored background. She was, you know, it was outside. My sister and I saw her. Uh, we were together, and we both saw her, like I said. We both thought it had to be, you know, it was too crazy. It had to be a reflection out the other side of the house from a window, somebody, you know, some trick of the light. We both turn around and we look behind us. There's nothing behind us. And and we both saw this woman go right up the hill. And my mom was right outside with my with my son, my daughter, my nephews. None of them. This, this woman had to be 20 feet away from them. None of them saw her. <laughs> they didn't see her at all. Just my sister and I saw her. Which is why we both thought it was a reflection. I, d- I don't want to sound. I don't want this question to sound in any way disrespectful, but uh, it's a question that I'm sure people will be mm-hmm. will be wondering right now. Is, uh, a skeptic uh, might argue or might come mm-hmm. up with this, the suggestion that a lot of these experiences are perhaps a product of your imagination or some other, you know, issue. Uh, psychological issue, mm-hmm. perhaps. Well, this is what skeptics say, isn't it? I mean, what would your you've had these experiences, and you you know mm-hmm. these have been very personal experiences, and you've described how in some of them, other people are not able to share them. So, how would you counter a skeptic who would put that argument forward or put that suggestion forward? Mm. Uh, I wouldn't. I don't know that I'd bother. It's just I think until you have your own experience. I'm skeptical. Mm-hmm. I couldn't believe my own eyes. You know, um, I'm skeptical of everything I come across and every sensation I feel. I'm going through this process in my head. What could that be? What could that be? I'm not jumping to the, oh, hallelujah, it's angels. It, I, I don't do that. I go for the scientific explanation first. And then once there is none, I start uh, kind of listening with that kind of a it's it's like intuition i guess but it's a different well it's a different anyway, thing. Can, you, can you hold that thought we have to take a break right now and and uh, i know we're only going to have your own half hour but i'd like to talk to you a few more minutes if you don't mind so we're going to take a break absolutely that's fine 
Okay, you're listening to Ghost Chronicles International right here on Tojinet Parax Ghost Channel and Beyond with Steve Parsons and Ron Kolick. And we'll be right back after the following messages. So please stay tuned. Welcome to Tokinet, radio with a cutting edge. Feel the need to do some soul searching or make some changes in your life to create a more positive future? Then Circles of Wisdom is just the place for you. Circles of Wisdom is a metaphysical bookstore and more, located on Route 28 in downtown Andover, Massachusetts. We carry a large selection of books and music, crystals and gemstones, jewelry and gifts, sage, aromatherapy, and so much more, all in a relaxing and welcoming atmosphere. We offer classes on a variety of topics like yoga, Reiki, psychic development, alternative healing, and personal transformation. For guidance on this journey we call life, get a reading from one of our many readers at Circles of Wisdom, 90 Main Street in downtown Andover, right next to Bertucci's. Call us at 978-474-8010 or check us out on the web at www.circlesofwisdom.com. Lots to see and do in a feel-good place, an oasis in this hectic world. They're creepy and they're kooky, mysterious and spooky. They all talk ugly kooky, the Parax family. The shows are paranormal, not stuffy but informal. The topics are abnormal, the Parax family. They're strange, deranged, unrestrained. So grab your favorite brew, it's time to rendezvous as we give the awards to the Bear Eggs Family. Take 6,427. All right. Hi, I'm Ron Kolek, author and lead investigator of the New England Ghost Project, New England's own Van Helsink. And I'm Ann Kerrigan, the blonde bombshell, and I'm the lead investigator of East Bridgewater's Most Haunted. And we'd like to invite you to tune in. Ghost Chronicles, the next generation. Every Wednesday night. At 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on www.toginet.com. So, so Ann, what are they going to hear on this stupid show? What are they going to hear? They are going to hear things that they can't believe are happening. Like uh, Beyond Bizarre. And Cemetery Tripping. Oh, that's your deal, right? Absolutely. Yeah, one of these days you're going to get uh, so scared of one of these cemetery tripping things that uh, you'll, I'll have to get a new co-host. <laughs> I am brave beyond belief. Nothing yeah, we'll see. scares me. So anyways, if you're bored and you got nothing to do on Wednesday night, tune in to Ghost Chronicles Next Generation with Anne and Ron. See you then. Uh, be still my beating heart. Actually, it's not my heart. It's the dark black heart of Van Helsink. Brings us back to part two of Ghost Chronicles International here on Togginet. Para-X, the ghost channel beyond the TuneIn app, iTunes, and the Togginet podcast. Have I covered it all? And anyway, uh, joining us is uh, our guest from before the break, before the messages, uh, Kirsten Van X. Who's, who is describing some of her paranormal experiences. And, and, you know, I'm actually uh, curious. I mean, Kristen, Kristen why, why do you think, I mean, you know, one person is usually like they're a ufologist. I mean, they're all into UFOs. 
are they all into ghosts? But you, you and I was kind of hinting to this before the break, is that you've experienced kind of both. Why why do you think that you have, uh, you know, more than someone else? Uh, like myself, for instance, I don't think I have, well, maybe who knows. I'm not really sure, Ron, why this stuff happens to me. I've also had the thing that launched me into eventually meeting Mark English was um, seeing, oh boy, um, I saw a giant man in my backyard, and my dog saw it too. He communicated telepathically. Oh, it's embarrassing to tell that one. But that's the one that made me go, okay, th- that's it. I'm, I'm, I'm toast. I, I'm imagining things. I, you know, I, I just feel crazy. And uh, that was, so I've, I've, I've been hit with a cryptozoology thing. I've been hit with the UFOs and the weird ghosty, who the heck knows what they are things. Yeah, yeah. But one thing I can, I think I can help explain you know how some of these folks that um, seem to be into the spirituality and the meditation and all this kind of stuff, they talk about like beta and alpha and theta and delta and gamma and epsilon um, hertz for different states of con- consciousness. Right. And I guess the best way I could describe it is if you if you got into the alpha stage, which is basically where you're awake but you're kind of spacing out. Right. Um, it, when I'm listening, if you will, because I seem to be able to hear things um when i'm listening for intuition if you will it's like i go into the alpha stage of just okay i'm spacing out i'm listening it's almost like i go just slightly to the left of that and then i start listening with the right it's it's really it's an odd thing to explain but that's the best way i can think of to explain it because usually when i'm just spacing out and thinking about my own thing i'm spacing out and thinking about my own thing but when (laughs) i'm when i'm in the zone, it's it's a little bit off to the left somehow. It's tough to explain, but it's not as clear as what science today allows for. It's almost like so I'm riding a Higgs-Boson wave or something. What? So it's almost a state of mind. It's almost a state of mind. No. Oh, gosh, that sounds a little. That sounds a little psychiatry to me. It's not. It's a. It's, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking of it as more as is using uh, a part of your mind that we don't normally use during. Use. Yeah. Bingo. Bingo. Yeah, that's, and that's I feel I was, things like everybody talks about the third eye thing. It's like, well, yeah, sometimes, but um, it's it's energetic. Um, anything I've ever felt in my life, whether it was a ghosty or or anything, there was some sort of energetic difference to it um as i first you know like when i told my mom when all this stuff first started happening to me when i was in high school i said mom it's like positive and negative ions there's some sort of movement and i can feel it for some reason and um so it's to me if there's a way to measure that i don't know if it's an ekg or something that you can throw out there into a room and leave it there and just sense stuff coming and going somehow um that would be great because because anything with any kind of intent, like the hat man, there was definite rage, intent. I didn't feel him other than his presence at first. But once he started radiating that rage thing, then, uh, boy, could you feel it. It was weird. Um, can, I, can I pose a question, yeah, um, please? Sure, absolutely. I'm, 
again, I, I'm interested in your perspective on on other people's experiences because, you know, there, there are and the internet, Facebook is full of people making these extraordinary claims, um, and mm-hmm. some people make you know have a great reputation for doing it. Now, you are a person who has these experiences. Do you do you get frustrated when you when you see others? making these claims and saying hey that can't be that can't be right my experience is different my experience you know these people are trying it on I mean, what what's your take on other ex, uh, other people's experiences i don't i don't really i i don't think i really judge other people and what their experiences are i, I certainly wouldn't want somebody to jump to conclusions about me i just want to be able to you know know that I'm not alone, that I have these weird experiences. And um, I don't think I really judge other people. The only people I question are the folks that are, are trying, you know, they're writing books, they're doing all this stuff, trying to make money off. It seems weird to yeah, this me. Is, this is, these are the people um, I'm specifically referring to, you know, the, these people who are making a career out of being a, an experiencer, um, you yeah. know, whereas you are having experiences and it... it I was just wondering what your take on other people's experiences, you know, in those situations were, because, you know, I've spoken to mediums before who, who really don't like, you know, uh, what they describe as charlatan mediums, and they they get quite angry mm. about it. You know, they say that my ability is genuine, and these people are demeaning the experience, and 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 in effect undermining the the experience and the descriptions I give of it. Um, so you seem to have got a, a very broad range of experiences from the cryptozoology mm-hmm. through to the, the uh, alien life and the spiritual world. Mm-hmm. And I, there are not many people who have that broad range of experiences. So I was just interested in, in your take on other people's experiences. Mm. Well, I found that other people who are willing to talk about their experiences that actually was a relief to me um, to know that okay, I'm not alone. And but the thing that occurred, I guess, to be perfectly honest, like when I see something or sense something, I get a little quick. It's it's, it's usually really quick. It's either just a little picture, or like if I meet somebody and like sometimes I can tell if they've got some sort of emotional issues. I don't know what the emotional issues are. Um, or I might, like, I've seen where somebody has somebody else that's next to them. Like, I'll get this little black and white, you know, like I said, it's like watching old black and white TV. I'll just see their head, and and they'll either a- ask me, you know, to tell that person that the person, that other, I don't know what, it is, I guess a spirit, I don't know what, I can't even categorize it, man. I don't know what it is, but mm-hmm. somebody's telling me to tell them, that they're there and that they, you know, they're watching their back or something, you know. So I'll, I'll say, I'm, I don't know who this is, but this woman, you know, <laughs> is, is telling me to tell you. Uh, da, 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 da. And, um, you know, it, it's usually really quick. It's not some long, drawn-out, you know, story. It's something pretty, pretty darn quick. So I, I'm kind of, if people are really genuinely having these experiences where they're getting all sorts of information on stuff, um <laughs> all the power to him, I guess. I don't know. I just, I, I don't. I can't see myself making a career out of this. <laughs> stuff happens sometimes, you know. I don't no, know what no to book say coming about out. It. 
You know, what's interesting, <laughs> here's, no. Kirsten, is that uh, yeah. this black and white experience that you have, I've heard of this before. Mm. In fact, just a little while ago, I, I was talking to someone from the Wyndham restaurant in Wyndham, and they saw uh, basically a child. They were working in one room, they looked over, and they saw the image of a, a boy run across the doorway mm -hmm. and he was dressed in old gob and he was in black and white and it was only by the way only like he was cut in half you only saw the bottom half of him yeah uh, so oh, i'm glad the, you said the, that because it's like man i've never seen a whole one not see, except for that woman going up the hill she was weird but so so it's it's not uncommon as you think i mean i'm not saying that that happens every day but there are other people that that have at least told me of of experiences like that so uh, there are other people yeah. out there that, that, that witness this phenomenon. And it's surprising there are actually yeah. quite a lot of ghost uh, apparitional sightings on monochrome. Really? There are colour ones, but obviously uh, the, uh, I, I'm not, I, I wouldn't, I, don't quote me, but I actually think the majority of them might actually be monochrome. Really? Uh, or the, uh, when we're talking about the, the apparitions that are uh, translucent transparent as opposed to the solid apparitions i think the majority do seem to be monochrome that may not be gray white black white uh, but uh you know a range of monotone colors um i say i i i'm kind of pushing that out there a little bit that's only from my reading and i you know i'm talking about you know descriptions that people give um but it does seem to be that the the transparent translucent ones do seem to be more in the monotone uh, you know what's interesting, of... Steve, is that I've seen, like, uh, I'm trying to think of how many I'm trying to count, but there are three of them that come to mind very clearly, uh, apparitions that I've seen, and they've all been full body and full color apparitions, which I, I always thought was interesting, uh, I... versus, you know, a translucent one. Yeah, I, I've, um, I say, the, the, those the, the the reports where it's been a solid, uh, you know, uh, non non transparent, non translucent apparition. Uh, I've never, I don't know of any that are that are monotoned. Um, they do seem to be entirely normal and natural until they do something unusual or by by their dress or by their actions. Yeah, absolutely right. Um, but where it's a you know your more traditional see through Casper type ghost. Um, they do seem to be uh, mono. Now that could just be because you know, of the way that the the two different mechanisms are manifesting. I, I, I you know, we don't know the answers. Right. Well, anyways, uh, just throwing it out. We're going to have to be letting Chris, Kirsten go, but uh, we do have a question from the chat room, and that was from Ghost Girl, and she says, "Was were, were you ever afraid uh, from the experiences you had?" Yes, there was one in my bedroom where I felt something actually shared my, oh God, it felt like it shared my body. Okay. And it was That's... making me feel emotions that were not my own. Mm -hmm. And, and, that, and of that, of course, scared me afterwards. that is absolutely not uncommon. Working with Maureen for so many years, I can tell you that I don't know how many times that that has happened to her. So uh, that is absolutely not. So, I mean... Kirsten, you, you, you came on here, you, you're a little bit worried about what are the, some of the things you, you told us, but, you know, 
there are many reports of the same stuff that you've gone through, maybe not as many by one person, but certainly uh, those experiences are out there. And I think it's important to, to say that it's the experiences, it's the accounts of experiences that are the basis of the whole of the research blocks. They are the founding, you know, the founding stones upon all, you know, all paranormal research is based upon the fact that people have these experiences and that they do come forward and are willing to recount them and share them. Yeah. You know what I find interesting? I, we had touched it before was the, the, the issue about germanium being involved in things. My dad helped, uh, the project where they discovered that neutrinos actually exist, but they they coated uh, it was like a it was like a magnetic ink on top of a um, ugh, it was like a piece of some sort of plastic, and they put it down in this mine, and then they were able to see when neutrinos were coming through, they would have that on the um, on the plate on the plastic plate with the ink on it, and um, but my dad and I started talking about you know the that something similar could happen with germanium. And then I saw that thing about the, parano- uh, what's the bloody society there, the paranormal, what do they call it? Um, in England, the, uh, blast. my brain just went totally blank. It was called well, got, Scope, me- I think, or something. Skull, Skull Experiment. Skull. Where they, they come up with that TDR thing and the and the piece of germanium inside the thing for EVPs. And then and then Dad starts talking about germanium for, for detecting other things in space. And, and by putting them in the mines and in, in the you know in you know deep down in a in a old abandoned iron mine and and being able to detect things that were coming through in space that we can't see, but they're definitely affecting um, the whole universe. So um, you know, like black uh, matter and so forth. So mm-hmm. I don't know. It's all very interesting. I can't help but think we should be doing maybe we should be doing more experiments with germanium somehow, or or with magnetic ink. I don't know. Don't tell me, I'll go up and do it. Well, the thing about the germanium <laughs> is actually it, Skull, Skull uh, borrowed that idea from Raudiva, um, the early EVP experiments done in the 70s. Um, Raud, uh, there's a device called the Raudiva diode, which is a germanium diode, um, which was uh, they were claiming to get some excellent re- EVP results using the diode as a replacement for the microphone and incidentally as a plug for the next spirit quest um in fact before that because it's going over quite soon by usps or whatever it's called royal mail uh we're sending a uh, a germanium raudiva diode over to uh, evp mike um mm-hmm. for for him to have some study uh, have some goes with over over in new england interesting I'll actually be getting some of those myself somewhere because uh, she's really got me intrigued now. Anyways, uh, Kristen, I'm going to have to say goodbye to you now because there are a few other yes. We want to thank you so much for coming on the show and sharing your experience with, experience us, with us, if I can speak English. Uh, so uh, thank you very much, and, and I hope to see you again. Yeah, thank you kindly, Ron. It was a pleasure. And hello to everyone in England as well. <laughs> Thanks, Kirsten. Take care. Yeah, bye now. Bye now. Well, that was kind of interesting. That was a very fortunate, or I don't know, unfortunate lady. Um, to have that, that depth and breadth of experiences mm-hmm. is certainly, uh, you know, certainly very unusual. And I'm, I'm, I don't think I'd, I'd quite like to be in her position. 
I, no, I'm neither. quite, me I'm neither. quite it's... happy. Yeah, I have enough trouble dealing with the dead. Yeah, yeah. There you go. There you go. You know, it's funny. I get asked about that so many times. What do you What are your thoughts about UFOs? What are your thoughts about Bigfoot or something? I said, you know, I got enough to deal with with uh, ghosts. Never mind. I, so, anyways, right now I I have a uh, Beyond Bizarre coming up uh, from the uh, girl Bala Ventura and the Book of Bizarre. And uh, this one here is kind of an interesting one because it has a very well, a unique title, I guess you would say. And it is called Why You Shouldn't Invent Things When You're Drunk. So can we play that now, please? Why You Shouldn't Invent Things When You're Drunk. On July 2, 1982, an innovator named Larry Walters made the maiden flight of Inspiration One, his homemade aircraft consisting of a lawn chair attached to 45 8-foot helium-filled weather balloons. Walters brought cargo, a pellet gun, cold beer, and sandwiches. He and his craft eventually reached altitudes of 15,000 feet before Walters shot two balloons and slowly descended, eventually getting entangled in some power lines. A funny and freaky fact from Varla Ventura's Beyond Bazaar. Maybe we could do that when you come over here in September. <laughs> Actually, I, was just, I, I thought we were... Uh sort of mindful then of that Chinese was it the Chinese scientist way 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 back who attached the king's throne to a load of rockets and then lit the rockets and shot himself into the afterlife did he really he didn't get very far off the ground he just blew himself to smithereens (laughs) (laughs) yeah seriously oh my god no, I haven't heard that one. That's that's uh, simply amazing. But uh, I, you know what's it, it's funny is, is that uh, Kirsten. Uh, I mean, she is from New England. She's gone to the UK. She, like I said, she went to places that you know, Hampton Court Castle, and uh, you know, uh, Pal- it's a palace, Ron. It's a palace. Whatever, whatever. Her, yeah. maj- her magic. No, her Majesty will be very upset for you to call it a castle when oh, it's a you palace. Know, the Majesty's got her own problem. She's down to her last one point six billion. So I mean, you know. Well, speak. you know, we, we, could, we could have a whip round for her. Poor, you know, poor old dear. We living, living, in, living in penury. We can do a telethon. And now there's a thought. But, right here you know, in Ghost Chronicles. The royal family living in penury and destitution. So you think that would go over good? I mean, if we did a telethon for the royal family? Uh, I don't know. You I see, know. I think that... I think the problem starts again. We could, we're going to come back to the revolution here, aren't we? And the fact that the the world's greatest economy slipped through the grasp of her great 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 grandfather. Yeah. If they if they'd only held on to it, Schmidt's happen. Yeah. But I, I think that's a great idea. We could get uh, we could do a telethon. We could get all kinds of uh, people to uh, you know call in and and and, and uh, you know tell their stories about the queen and the royal family. And, and, you know, how we can raise money for them. So I, I think that's a great idea. We should do a, a telethon to raise money for the royal treasury. 
in case anybody's tuning in uh, towards the back half of the show and wondering what the hell's just happened, you are in fact still listening to Ghost Chronicles International, uh, which is, seems to have become a charity event um, in favour of the British royal family. You've been watching too much Downton Abbey, that's the trouble. Maybe we can be very Ian Lawman again and, and you know, uh, ransom them. You know, you yeah. pay so much money and we can dig them up. <laughs> pay so much money we don't dig him up oh did i say that out loud <laughs> sorry ian if you're listening you know i'm only joking <laughs> I mean, this has great potential as far as i'm concerned i mean i've just had a great idea for here we go how much would we raise if we buried ron kolek <laughs> nothing <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I have to. I'm sure Jan would pay for the peace and quiet for a few days. Oh, I, I see. You pay to bury me. No, I'm sure Jan. Yes, yes. I'm sure she would. Uh, I'm sure she would. Um, and she gets to sit there and watch all the episodes of Downton Abbey in peace for a day I, or two. I, th- so we... I think we could do that in September. I think that could be arranged. Of course, you remember the famous Most Haunted where they buried the medium and Carl Beatty in a big wooden coffin uh, at the gates of South Sea Castle in Portsmouth. No, England. actually, I missed that one, evidently. Uh, well, you know, they, it, it, it's been done. Um, yeah, for a Most Haunted Live at Portsmouth in 2000, I think it was 2006, uh, Carl Beatty and the medium in Shillito were buried alive in a large wooden coffin-shaped box designed for two people. Um, And it nearly went very badly wrong because obviously the coffin was designed to take a certain weight of earth and health and safety took over and the earth was... Some of it was partially replaced by lighter weight material. Um, I think they used fuller's earth. And it, it rained all day. So, of course, by the time that they came to put the earth cover back on the coffin in, um, for the live shoot, uh, it was somewhat heavier than predicted, and there was a loud crack as part of the roof of the coffin started to well, give in. Uh, they both survived, obviously, because they went on to do series 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15. And, and now, of course, most haunted, the YouTube channel. Is, is it out? Yeah, they're, they're shooting one. I think even as we speak tonight, um, there's an episode being recorded uh, according to the Facebook feeds of some of the crew. Um, they, they're continuing to produce episodes of Most Haunted, but now they're available uh, streaming via the internet. Uh, I don't think they're broadcast yet on any of the uh, TV channels. But, of course, the internet, YouTube, is worldwide. So I guess... You know, why just broadcast to the UK when you can broadcast worldwide all at the same time and not get paid for it? I, 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 so it's definitely happening? Uh, they've already filmed some, um, and some of them have already been put up. So uh, you, 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 know, you click on it somewhere, and I guess you'd have to Google it to find it. But Most Haunted definitely are back. Uh, that's, that's pretty cool, actually. Uh, but well, we've we've just got the new episode, the new uh, the new series of uh, oh, ghost ghost adventures, lockdown and all that nonsense over here with on real on real TV. Uh, what's it called? Really television channel. So we're getting lots of adverts, and the trailer actually is quite funny because the trailer says with, "Come with us on a journey." Blah blah blah. What experience? It, no, it's not like ours. Don't worry. But it's it, they come up with this great one line. 
stuff that you've never done before. Well, it's the same old, same old, same old that everybody's done before on every other TV show, except for the tattoos and the body armor and the looking. Anyways, now there's, I, a, there's a telethon. There's a telethon idea. I'm always Let's wondering. pay to lock yeah. the to not lock not let them out at the end of the lock-in. There you go. But I, I want to get this in before we go off the air. And this is uh, we we're talking about burying people, right? Yeah. And you know about premature burial, people will get buried before they're dead, right? Edgar Allan Poe wrote a very good story about that. Right. So anyways, uh, Francis de Civo of Normandy suffered from a destiny of premature burial. According to sources, as reputable as they go back to in the 16th century, his mother was buried alive while she was still pregnant with him. And her body was exhumed so she could deliver the child. Uh, as an adult in 1563, Seville was buried in a mass grave during his stint in the army. His sergeant dug up his body and discovered he was still alive. While recovering at home, enemy soldiers invaded and tossed his body into a heap of manure, where he remained buried for three more days. Once again, he was rescued and revived. He went on to live to a ripe old age of 105. So now, there was, there was a man who... I, I don't... Yeah, yeah, nobody wanted... How many, was, it, was his mother a cat? I have no clue. But anyways, that's the tune, so we got to say goodbye. It's been an interesting show, and uh, tune in uh, next week when we'll have who, uh, Steve? I have no idea, but we'll be raising more money for the royal family. Oh, excellent. So, till then, from uh, Goose Chronicles International, uh, good night and God bless, everyone. Good night, God bless. to ghosties, long-leggedy beasties, and things that go bump in the night. Deliver us, good Lord.